Hey, Rediscover Church, it's so good to be bringing you the word of the Lord this morning. And I want to thank Pastors Mark and Nita for inviting me again. I'm glad that you're not sick of hearing me. <laughs> you keep inviting me back, and that's such an honor, that's such a blessing, and I don't take that lightly at all. And I know this has been a, such a challenging uh, season for, for many of us, but God has been moving in incredible ways as well. And I know as a church, you know, you guys have been advancing and innovative and just seeing God do incredible things, even seeing people get saved. That is amazing. Well, I'm going to be sharing with you some things the Lord has been stirring on my heart in this time. I know you're in this kind of series. You're asking the question, what on earth is God doing? Well, I have some things to kind of just shed some light in why I believe God is doing in this season. Some of the things He's been speaking to me about, some of the things has been challenging me on, I believe will be relevant for where some of you are at and even uh, what God's doing in you as a church, as a, as a body at this time. Uh, so before we go into the Word, let's just pray. Father, thank you for your spirit of wisdom and revelation. As we go into your Word, I ask that, Lord, you open our eyes, our understanding to be able to see as you see and hear, not just hear your Word, but also be ready to obey and follow in the path to come into that place of uh, of uh, 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 coming in sync uh, with the movements of heaven. So, Father, have your way in us and through us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you go to the Bibles, I'd like you to turn to uh, Matthew 6, and I'm going to be reading a passage that many of you, if not all of you, will probably be familiar with. It's what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is actually the disciples' prayer, because this was a prayer that the Lord was uh, teaching the disciples, saying, in this manner, pray. And I want to remind you that he wasn't expecting them necessarily to pray this prayer word for word uh, because they wanted to be able to pray like he prayed, if you think about it. I and mean, he spent six hours, you know, pray through the night, seven, eight hours, woke up early in the morning, pray for, I don't know, two, three, four hours. And so he was spending hours and hours praying. Now, if you were to pray the Lord's Prayer, it's probably going to take you about 20, 30 seconds. Uh, and so the question is, what was Jesus doing for six, seven hours? <laughs> When the prayer that he's taught us to pray, quote, right here, is like, you know, 30 seconds. Was he praying the Lord's Prayer on repeat? Well, he wasn't praying the Lord's Prayer on repeat. He was, this is a model, it's a template that we can use when we come before the Lord in prayer. And there's some things in here, or well, there's one thing in here I want to kind of highlight uh, to just paint a picture of what I believe God is emphasizing in this season. What on earth is, is God doing? Well, I believe God is on the move. In the nations of the earth, God is on the move in the United Kingdom. So let's read Matthew 6, um, verse 8. It says, Therefore do not be like them, referring to the hypocrites. It says, For your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our debts as we forget our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, in that simple prayer, the kingdom is mentioned twice. Uh, yours your kingdom come. And then obviously at the end it says, yours is the kingdom. So in this series you're in, what on earth is God doing? I want to say to you, in this season, I believe God is advancing his kingdom. Now, the first part where kingdom is mentioned there says, your kingdom come. 
And when we think and talk about the kingdom of God, we need to understand that it's about the king's dominion, the king's domain. He's coming to establish his rule and his reign. Now, the next bit after that says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Because where the kingdom is, the will of God is manifested. So let's uh, take into context heaven. You know, the verses there says, your kingdom come on earth as it, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, the kingdom of God is fully being manifested. And in heaven, the will of God is not resisted. Now, angels are not robots. The saints in heaven, obviously, are not robots as well. Uh, and one of the proof that we know angels are not robots is the fact that Satan rebelled. He had a will, and with his will, he rebelled against the will of God, and he was kicked out of heaven. So in heaven, right now, the will of God is done. If God desires something, it's done. If God thinks something or God wants something to take place, it is done. Because everyone in heaven is under his dominion, is under his rule, is under his reign. So there is zero resistance to the will of God in heaven. Now the prayer says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's desire is that just like in heaven, his will is being done in heaven. He wants his will to be done on earth. However, he doesn't want his will to be done by force. He's not just going to enforce his will, whether we like it or not. He actually is going to rule through love. He's going to rule through people who are surrendered to him and are inviting him to have his way through them. So the prayer goes by like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth earth as it is in heaven. And so this is a prayer we often pray, and there's nothing wrong with praying this prayer. I want to point your attention to something really critical, and this is what I believe the Lord is doing right now, in that the, in heaven the will of God is done. God wants his will to be done on earth without resistance, in the same way his will is being done in heaven. However, Jesus also says the kingdom of God is within you, and so we understand that the kingdom of God is not just outside, like just out there. The kingdom of God is actually, it starts in our hearts. The king's reign, the king's rule, the king's dominion starts in our hearts. He wants to set up his throne in our hearts. And if he wants to set up his throne in our hearts, then even though this is a prayer that we can adopt as a model for revival and the move of his spirit in the nation and in the nations, it actually starts in us first. So we lack the authority to pray for his will to be done and his kingdom to come in the world around us if his will is not being done and his kingdom is not coming in us. And so how much resistance is there in you to the will of God? How much resistance is there in you to God's desire, God's agenda? Because you know, the fact that God wants to do something does not mean it always happens. Even with the church, we're the people of God. We tend to oftentimes be the one that's resisting the very things that God wants to do. So I believe in this season, God is wanting to advance his reign, his kingdom, but not in the way you're just thinking where just revival breaks out that, yes, that's going to happen, but I believe God is wanting to expand his reign and his rule first in the hearts and in the lives of the believers, and you know what that calls for in this season, which is one of the words the Lord's given me for 2021. It's a year of maturity. 
God is calling us to a place as a church where we step into a greater place of maturity in him. And with that is going to come responsibility, but with that is going to come a greater surrender and a greater yielding so that we can be entrusted with greater dimensions of his kingdom to be manifested through us. God loves you, but that doesn't mean God always trusts you. And if you're a parent, you can understand exactly what I'm trying to say. The fact that you love your children does not mean you entrust them with greater things of responsibility. You know, if you can see that they're not ready to handle that responsibility by the way they live. We want God to invade our regions and our nations in greater measure. And God wants to do that even more than we do. Boy, he's going to work through you and he's going to work through me. And if he's going to move in the dimensions we are desiring, then he wants to establish his throne in a greater measure in you and in me. So we lack the authority to call for it to be done out there if it's not being done in here. Actually, he works from the inside out. He's not doing something deep in us. And as we begin to align our will with him, as we begin to align our desires with him, as we begin to align our whole lifestyle with him, then his purposes begin to be easily manifested through us. You know the famous passage uh, in Revelations where it says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And oftentimes you would hear that in the context of uh, uh, an evangelistic kind of meeting that the Lord is standing at the door of your heart and is knocking, would you let him in? And often we're calling for people that don't know Jesus uh, to open their hearts to Jesus and let him come in. And there is a, there's a right application in there, but the context is actually the passage is, uh, is written to a church, is written to the body of Christ saying the Lord is standing at the door and he's knocking. So the question is, why should the Lord be knocking at the door of my heart before he comes in, because he's king, and, you know, he reigns and he rules, right? He's, he's knocking because he doesn't have the key. Now, there's, there was a time where I was praying, and I've prayed this even recently, saying, Lord, I don't want you to have to come to my heart and have to knock before you come in. Do you realize God has to do that for many Christians? Because they are okay for Jesus to have influence in parts of their lives, but not other parts of their lives. They're okay for Jesus to influence maybe their finances, but not okay for him to influence their relationships. They're okay for him to influence the way they lead certain areas, maybe a church or a home group or this, but they're not ready for him to influence the way they treat their husband or the way they treat their wife or the way they do this or the way they do that. Whatever it is, you can fill in the blanks. The point is, he actually comes in to rule. He's a Lord Spirit, I, I, as in the Holy Spirit is, is Lord. He's not just in there to just serve your agenda. He comes in to set up a throne. But when we resist the will of God, when we resist the desire of God, the kingdom is not able to manifest in and through us. And actually, we actually stunt our own maturity in him. Now, uh, our own maturity in the things of the Spirit, I mean. Now, I want to point your attention to a passage, and we're going to come uh, here and camp on this uh, more, because in this season, I believe the Lord is calling us to this place of growing in Him. And one of the people that I see in Scripture that captures that journey of maturity and growth in the things of God is Moses. So if you go to your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Exodus 33. Exodus 30, what on earth is God doing in this season? God is calling his church to greater maturity. Exodus 33, verse 7, says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. 
and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. How amazing is that? And he says, And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Now, that is so awesome and so stirring and so convicting in many ways. But we're going to look at a few things here. Now, we're saying this year, one of the things the Lord is doing is calling the church to maturity. He's calling you to maturity. He's calling me to maturity. Now, you might go, well, I feel like I'm already mature. Well, listen, the more you grow in God, the more you realize you need to grow. The more of God you know, the more of God you realize you don't know. So, if you're there listening, thinking you are mature, then that means you actually need to grow up some more. Because I'm telling you, the more I have encountered of God, the more I've realized I know nothing. Even Paul the Apostle, listen to what he said. After writing all this incredible revelation, he said, that I may know him. So Paul is saying, actually, I know him, but I don't know him. Do you think you really know God? I'm telling you, there is so much more you have no idea about. And it's good to be in a place of humility saying, God, I need to mature. And I'm praying that prayer. Lord, I need to grow. Lord, me. Lord, help me to grow. Stretch me in the areas I need to stretch. These are dangerous prayers to pray. Because when you begin to pray, you're giving God, you're giving him permission to come and shake and interrupt and turn things around. And you know, sometimes many of us pray prayers so easily, so cheaply. And then when God starts to do the very thing you prayed for, you're like, oh God, why this? Oh God, why is this happening? And you've totally forgotten that you prayed that God to shake everything that can be shaken and that God to have his way and that God can do whatever he wants to do. And when God starts doing it, you're like, oh Lord, why, 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 why? So I want to say to you, don't just pray this prayer in a kind of, you know, half-hearted kind of, you know, your mind is not really in it. Realize, count the cost. Realize that in this time, God is actually calling us to more. And I really do believe in this season, there's a grace for accelerated maturity. Maybe you felt like you've missed out some things. You felt like you got saved late, or you feel like you've wasted your life in all kinds of rubbish. And you're like, oh Lord, you know, I, I feel like I don't have as much time left. Or I feel like I've wasted time. I believe there's a grace for catch up. You know, the hand of God came upon Eli Elijah, and he was able to outrun a chariot. And I believe there is a grace that God can release and is releasing over us, his people, for an acceleration in our maturity. Areas where you have felt immature, there is a grace in this season to see the Lord bring his hand on you and cause you to move with speed and catch up in areas where you feel like you've been behind. However, if there's going to be maturity, there has to be this big word, encounter. You cannot have real maturity in God without encounter with Him. And you've got to be in a place where you've got to realize you're not just going to grow in God because you've read the whole Bible. Now, there's nothing wrong with reading it. In fact, I recommend read the whole Bible. Many Christians have never read this book from cover to cover. Read this cover from cover to cover again and again and again and again. And again all right? Okay, so, you, but however, you're not just going to grow 
in the spirit, you're not just going to mature in the spirit because you've intellectually filled your mind with this word. And I'm not trying to disregard that. It's the encounter with the living word that changes you, not just hearing the written word. The written word, the letter kills, but the spirit is one that gives life. And so we are wanting something that has tangible shift, that brings a tangible shift inside of us, not just head knowledge. Because again, many people are filled with theological ideas, but they have no reality. And in this time, God is looking for sons of the kingdom. Again, when we rise up and we mature and become sons, it means we can be entrusted with greater degree of authority, responsibilities to execute the purposes of heaven in the earth. And when I say sons of God, that's not a sexist thing, by the way, because women are called to be sons just like men are called to be the bride of Christ. It's not about, it's not about gender. It's about a description of a position of relationship, uh, of responsibility and authority in our walk with God. I hope that makes sense to you. And so God is calling us to a place of maturity. However, we're not going to mature without encounter. Now Moses gives us a bit of a picture of the process that's necessary for deeper encounters with God. And that's what I want to share with you today. And I don't know how much time I have. Okay, <laughs> keep an eye on the time yet. That's what I want to share with you. Some of the things that are necessary for us to begin to put in place, if you haven't put that in place already, I know we're in March, but it's not too late to start right now. To begin to put some things in place in our lives to prepare us for deeper encounters with God. Now, Moses was a man who encountered God. And we know, according to Corinthians, that we are changed as we behold him face to face. Moses had that face to face encounter with God. And in that place, there were lots that God was downloading into Moses. And things were changing in Moses. And I know that's the way God wants to encounter us. Face to face, alone in his presence, he begins to change things in us. He begins to give us perspectives we've never had before. He begins to give us ideas we've never had before. Not just good ideas, but heavenly downloads that will cause things to shift in our lives and the, and the things around us. In fact, the people watching right now, you're asking for solutions that you can only get in his presence. And you can do your Google search, you can read all the books you want to read, but the solution that you're needing for the situation you're in is not on Google, it's not in any of those books, it's in his presence. And until you get before his face, you are not going to position yourself to receive those keys that would unlock those circumstances. And I believe in that process, God's going to mature you. Now, look at what Moses did. It says in verse 7 of Exodus 33, Moses took his tent. So this is now Moses' tent, okay? Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tent of meeting. Now, this tent became the tent where God came and God's presence descended. You know, we read that a few moments ago, and he said he came in like this pillar of cloud, and God starts to commune with Moses. Why is it that God did not commune with Moses in his tent while Moses' tent was in the camp? Because God is not going to have any interactions and God is not going to mingle with the things of this world. You see, you see, the Bible says the flesh and the spirit are at war with each other. And God is not going to release his presence into an environment that's not condu conducive for his presence. The presence of God can be dangerous. I know you might be in church, in a church environment, and you might feel some goosebumps, and you might feel a warm feeling, and you might feel some nice feelings, and you might feel amazing. But 
I'm telling you, the dimensions of the presence of God, you have no idea about, especially when you wanted to mature in God. There's something called the fear of the Lord. There's something called that, that the consuming fire. Yes, I know God is a God of love, but you know what else he is? He's also a consuming fire. You don't hear people talk about that that much. We want the love of God. We want to experience that warm, fuzzy feeling. Oh, yeah, God loves me. But do you realize he is not, he's not love. He doesn't give love. He is love. Yes, he does give love, but he's more than just a being that gives love. Love is who he is. It defines his essence in the same way he is a consuming fire. He doesn't just release fire. He is fire. And with that fire comes judgment. With that fire comes some things that many of us are not ready for. And so when we want to go deeper in encountering God, he doesn't just come because you say, God, I want more of you. He doesn't just come because you say, oh, Lord, I want to encounter you. It doesn't just happen now. He actually prepares us for the encounter. And oftentimes we find that the world is not a conducive space for the presence of God to fully manifest. Because if he were to manifest himself in the camp, people would have died. People would have died because they were not prepared for his presence. And you see that through scripture. In fact, God warned Moses about people who were coming close that are not prepared and consecrated, that they were going to die. Because when we're not prepared for his presence to the degree that we're crying out for, that presence can actually destroy us. And so God in his mercy holds back dimensions of his glory and his presence that we're crying out for until all of you seeks all of him. You know, uh, what's it? Jeremiah 29. It says, you know, when you seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. So God is going to allow himself to be found when all of you seeks all of him. I don't mean you seek him for an hour. I don't mean you seek him for five minutes. It, it, it actually talking about lifestyle. When your life is not just, uh, when your words are not just saying, oh, yeah, Lord, Lord, I want more of you. But your life is saying it. Now, you transition from the place of just empty words to your life is now a container. Your life is now being prepared to handle what God wants to release. And in that place, God can start to release dimensions of his presence because all of you is now seeking all of him. Okay, Psalm 91, you know the famous passage in Psalm 91. It says, he who dwells in the sacred place. Okay, just the first few words there. He who dwells. He who dwells. See, it's talking about a secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. I'm not going to quote the whole thing because the point I want to make is actually about the fact that the sacred place is an actual location in God. There is a geographic spiritual location called the secret place. It's not your secret place. It's his secret place. Now look at how that verse starts in Psalm 91. It says, he who dwells. It didn't say they who dwell. So the secret place is a place that God is calling you to as an individual, not as a corporate body. Now that's not to say there is no place for a corporate place of prayer and a corporate anointing and pressing into God. Both have their place. However, I believe what God's calling us to at this season and this time is for maturity at the individual level. If the individuals in the church mature, then the body would be in a maturer place. And so when you have, you see, we cannot be an army if you're not a soldier. So when you become a soldier and you become a soldier and the other person over there becomes a soldier, then when we come together, we can be an effective army. But God is calling you as an individual into that secret place. Now, another point I want to make from that is the secret place is not just a random place, okay? Because 
when you want to have a business meeting, when you want to have a meeting that's like of a huge significance, if you know that multi-million pounds are going to be made from this meeting, you know, you're going to end up in this contract, you're going to end up with this contract that's, uh, you know, tens of millions of pounds, and you're about to have the business meeting that will potentially give you that contract, you're not going to have that meeting at the side of the road. You're not going to have that meeting at the bus stop. You're not going to have that meeting at the headdresses or the barber shop. You're going to make sure you have the environment right for that meeting. You're probably going to find some expensive restaurant somewhere. You're going to make sure the atmosphere is right for the conversation you're about to have. In the same way, there's some conversations God wants to have with you. He's not going to have them in the camp. Many of you have been in the camp. The camp is where the distractions are. The camp is where the worldly pleasures are. The camp is where the temporal pleasures are. Where all the cares of this world are. And many of us believers are living in the camp, but we're designed the encounters of the tent. You cannot have the encounters of the tent while you live in the camp. For you to have the encounters of the tent that lead to maturity and then that leads to the kingdom of God manifesting a greater measure in you, that leads to the will of God being done through you to impact the world around you. You have to take your tent from the camp to outside of the camp. And listen to what it says about what Moses did. He didn't just pitch his tent outside the camp. It says he pitched his tent far from the camp. Far. There was a great distance between where that tent was and where the camp was. There has to be a significant distance between where you pitch your tent for encountering God and where the world is. There has to be a clear difference. You can't be flirting with the world. You can't be compromising with these things and you're expecting to have a deep encounter with God. You will not have these encounters on the run. The environment needs to be created. The space needs to be created. And there has to be a disconnection. And one of the ways I feel the Lord has been stirring in me to pray this is, Lord, deliver me from the gravitational pull of the camp. Because the gravitational pull of the camp and the gravitational pull of this world is so strong. If you don't believe me, try to pray. Just try to do anything spiritual. You'll find that the gravitational pull of this world is so strong. Whether it's the worries, the cares, the distractions, the anxieties, the food, whatever it is, it's just pulling on your flesh and you're feeling the gravitational pull on this one but what you want to have is the greater gravitational pull of his realm you want to be more drawn to his realm than you are this realm and so when you begin to press into God you need to say God I want to be delivered from the gravitational pull of the camp I want to be more in your realm than I am in this realm he who dwells in the secret place not he who visits the secret place I want to dwell in the camp just like Joshua sat at the camp and he, uh, sorry at, at the tent and he dwelt there. He stayed there. I want to be one of those that's just like that. Lord, I'm saying, let that be the reality we experience in this season. That we're not believers who want to just remain in the crowd, in the camp where everyone else is, while we're desiring deeper encounters. We are ready to move far, far from the distractions, far from the pool of the flesh, the temporal pleasures of this world. We want to be set aside, set apart in that place that's prepared for divine encounters. Listen, I'm telling you, divine encounters is what we're needing in this hour. You need a divine encounter with God. You see, you might have encountered God last year. You might have encountered God when you got saved, and that's good. I'm not just talking about an encounter you had five years ago. Are you encountering him now? And many of you can relate to this because when you think about those moments where you truly encounter God in a deep way, you can always look back and realize those moments defined something in you. It shifted. Something in you was, you were marked in a unique way. Those type of encounters are not just meant to happen once in a 
blue moon. I believe those kind of encounters are meant to mark us in those places where we are uh, desiring God. Those encounters are meant to mark us in the place of maturity into areas of God that we will not step into just by theological understanding. Those encounters almost launch us into new dimensions in God. And I believe those encounters is what encounters necessary in this season, that God can use those type encounters to cause us to shift in in the inward man. I don't know what you've been like the last five years or 10 years, but maybe you should ask yourself some questions. Have you really changed in your walk with God? In other words, if you're married, can your spouse look at you and say to you that you have become a different person in a good way? In other words, you become more Christ-like, bearing more of the image of God over the last two years, three years, four years, five years. Are you still the same way you were 10 years ago and you call yourself a Christian? If that is your story, then guess what? You have not changed that much and that is not a good sign because the sign that you have not been encountering God and so you may have been going to church for 10 years but you're still, you're still, uh, what's the word? You're still uh, uh, feeding the flesh and you're still making the flesh comfortable and you're not changing and that's not the testimony you want to have well I don't know about you that's not the testimony I definitely want to have I want to be one that I am changing month by month year by year into the image of Christ because I am having encounters with God and those encounters are not going to take place if I am having my tent in the camp now I want the kingdom of God the dominion of God the throne of God to be set in my heart, where his will is being done, where in my heart there is zero resistance to God's will. How much resistance is there to the will of God in your heart? I know you're a leader. I know you call yourself whatever, you're a businessman, you're a full-time mom, what, whatever the context might be. How much resistance is there in your heart to the will of God? And I want to say to you, in answer to the question, what on earth is God doing in this year? What on earth is God doing? God is wanting to set up his throne in your heart to the degree that there is zero resistance in you to his will. And when that becomes a reality, you find that encounters become more uh, something that happens on a regular basis. And when encounters happen on a regular basis, guess what? You're going to begin to change because we are changed as we behold him face to face. As we behold him, the change starts to take place in us. And then that change manifests in our soul, manifests in our mind as we meditate on the word of God. See, I believe in this year, the Lord is calling you and me to maturity. And I've been saying this over and over to myself. God is calling me to mature. Lord, I want to mature. I don't want to remain a babe. I don't want to remain, you know, Christians can end up in two ways either like milk or like wine. Milk with time goes stale and horrible. Wine with time gets better. Are you going to be one of those, like, like a Christian who is getting better in your relationship with God? You're getting sweeter, so to speak. It's like you're getting more, the, the fruits of the Spirit maturing in you. Are you going to be one of those that over time you're becoming more mean, you're becoming you have less faith, you're becoming more horrible to be around? And you know, that, it's sad to say that's the testimony of many believers, which is a picture of their spiritual maturity and it's a sign that they have not been encountering God. They may have been going to church, they may have been listening to sermons, they may have been around Christians, but they have not been encountering God. In this season, God is calling you and me to mature in Him. I believe that's one of the key things He's doing. So are you going to say yes to Him in that area? 
Maybe it's good to be honest right now. Okay, Lord, I am immature in my parenting. Lord, I am absolutely immature in my prayer life. Lord, I'm absolutely immature in my finances and the way I honor you in my giving. Lord, my whole life right now, I'm just immature completely. Lord, help me. Maybe that's your prayer right now. Like, God, help me. That's a good prayer to pray. That's a good place to be because God is close to the brokenhearted and those who are poor in spirit who would really admit the reality of their spiritual state. So it's time for us to turn to the Lord in this season and say, Lord, do whatever you need to do, whatever you want to do in me so that I can manifest your kingdom around me, to the world around me. Lord, have your way. So let me pray with you as we come to an end. Father, I thank you that 2021, you're calling us to maturity. We say yes to the process. We say yes to pitching our tents outside the camp so we can have those face-to-face encounters with you. Lord, forgive us for the distractions that we've allowed into our journey with you in this 2021 year or even previous years where we've said yes to you but got distracted by all the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Father, we say right now, we, we choose you above all else. Have your way in us. Let there be acceleration in our maturity. Shake those things that need to be shaken. Bring your order where there needs to be order. Let your kingdom be advanced in us. Let your will be done in us. And then let your kingdom and your will be done outside of us on the earth as we become agents, ambassadors of you everywhere we go. We pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.